this week on the podcast nonprofit news for the week of april 12th thrilled that carisha martinez is back and of course nick as great having you both back we're going to talk through the news the nonprofit sector greatest news from the best sector that we could summarize i'm working on it it's a good it's going to be good all right carisha can you talk us through the summary yeah i can start with our summary of headlines Um, Our first headline reads, Facebook helps raise $5 billion. And that's actually through Facebook fundraisers, which is super exciting. Um, As some of you might know, Facebook has Facebook for nonprofits, which allows nonprofit organizations to have a donate button on their Facebook page um, and also allows users, supporters, um, and donors to create Facebook fundraisers that their family and friends can donate to. Um, And so far... Since it began in 2015, Facebook has raised $5 billion, which is super exciting. Um, A lot of our clients use Facebook fundraisers. They're super great, really easy to share, um, and a really great peer-to-peer fundraising tool. Yeah, it's a sizable amount of money, continues to grow. I mean, obviously, it's it's an aggregate over time. And I think the the last data round I saw this is like about half of that's from birthday fundraisers. So they've like really kind of cornered that market of like, all right, it's my birthday and run a fundraiser. It continues to be one of the smartest tactics that we recommend nonprofits doing of uh, employing that like constantly ask anybody who's got a birthday coming up in 90 days to run a birthday fundraiser for your organization so it, it makes sense to be there um you know always the asterisk at oh it's harder to get our money out well you're still getting money out so um i would say this falls into the category very thin category of number of things i truly agree that facebook does <laughs> that are helping make the world a little bit less shitty. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Along with its targeting options, it makes it really easy to do. Um, And you'd be surprised how strong it's still going. I know there was a boom in like 2015, 2016, where everybody was doing it, but I still see like quite a few on my timeline. I think that's so important because I think it'd be like, oh, I haven't seen it in forever. Does it, does it even matter anymore? Like, yeah, like, your water's still running through the pipes in your house, even though you don't talk about it anymore. So, oh, it's over. No one's like, people are still doing it. Yeah, exactly. More Facebook news is the iOS 14 update and Facebook ads. If you are in advertising, marketing, anything in communications, you're probably aware of the big changes that are coming from Apple and iOS 14 that comes with a lot more privacy for users. Um, And this is going to have a very big effect on Facebook ads, which has quite a really good targeting, if you ask me, just frankly. Um, so Facebook is kind of trying to combat this iOS 14 update with their own kind of ways to ask users if they want to opt into these new privacy options. And if they do, um, coming up with uh, new ways to kind of work around those. But there will be some major changes for advertisers. Um, just to talk about them very broadly, uh, change in amount of conversions attributed to ads. So Facebook currently looks at a 28-day attribution window, meaning that anybody who sees or clicks your ad in 28 days, Facebook counts that as a conversion. That's now going down to seven days, I believe. And ultimately, you'll just be seeing less conversions in Facebook um, than you're used to seeing. But if you have GA, Google Analytics, and other tracking tools on your site, um, you should be able to see those there as well. So another reason to have more tracking than uh, regular. It's as though, Carisha, your job is in advertising. I was like, whoa, that's a lot of detail. Oh, yeah, that's what you, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Stuff. <laughs> we've been implementing, we've been trying to get ahead of the curve. Um, so we've been 
really reading into this, they'll also be smaller retargeting audiences. Um, again, more privacy, but another reason to run Legion, have email lists, phone numbers, and things like that. Um, there'll also be an eight event limit. If you do custom or conversion campaigns, you can only run up to or have up to eight and they'll only track very few at a time. Um, lots and lots of new changes. Um, but the two things that you should be doing in the immediate future is verifying your domain and also setting up your conversion events. Um, and we have an article on it and also a podcast um, where one of our ads managers talks about it. I have nothing to add to that. Go find that in the show notes. What else do we have? Yeah, more nonprofit news. America's Charities is named the best nonprofit to work for, um, which is an interesting one. America's Charities is the nonprofit that inspires employees and organizations to support causes that they care about. And it was named 2021's best nonprofit to work for by the Nonprofit Times and Best Company Groups. Um, They've taken quite a few things into consideration into naming these. According to the CSRWire.com article, 25% of it is a total evaluation of uh, organizations' workplace policies, practices, philosophy, systems, and demographics. And the other 75% of that is an employee survey based on experience. Um, so shout out to America's Charities for being the number one place to work. I think they're one of 50. It's not clear that the article is very favorable to them, so which is awesome. <laughs> also, full disclosure, I was the former chairman of the board of America's Charities, a leader in workplace giving, if you are. <laughs> looking for a partner uh but yeah it is uh it is a big honor right if you talk about 50 organizations because it's done on a survey of employees and uh it, it is rigorous so it is a uh, it's a good list to be on good news and it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about whole whale university this is our best online content packaged in courses we're talking seo content marketing google ad grant cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use you can buy them individually or as an annual subscription uh, we really put our best work in here and if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover we go a mile deep with these courses that's wholewhale.com slash university Yeah, for sure. Going down our list of headlines, uh, our next headline reads, two philanthropic strategies aim to boost faltering local news. We've kind of been covering local news um, and kind of its decline a little bit in the past couple of nonprofits uh, newsfeed pods. But what this article by nonprofitquarterly.org kind of uh, outlines is two approaches that nonprofits are taking. There are nonprofits that directly fund these journalists and kind of help promote their salary in their own kind of journalistic endeavors. And then there's also uh, nonprofit news organizations. Um, So kind of two different approaches here, um, but all to really help uplift uh, local news and uh, cover undercovered stories in different communities. Yeah, leader out there and for a long time has been a Knight Foundation. In March, they opened up these uh, 26 grants for 20K to uh, publishers. And, you know, that's, you know, maybe the direction you need, but you need a healthy uh, media ecosystem to ensure democracy as we have seen and has been proven. Yeah, for sure. Um, Definitely need a mix of both to keep things even and balanced in the world. Our next headline, billionaires John and Laura Arnold give 5% of wealth yearly. Um, And this is in response to uh, Global Citizen's new kind of program that they have going where they call out to billionaires to donate 5% of their yearly wealth, um, which I think is a pretty interesting 
kind of initiative. Um, there has been some pushback of people thinking that given coronavirus and the pandemic that these billionaires should be giving more than 5% to really help um, different communities and causes, but definitely um, an interesting initiative and program. Yeah, I like the social pressure of billionaires giving away more money. Um, it's kind of funny, they probably easily make much more than that um, in a given year. So like, it just, I think num the numbers mean different things in orders of billions, but anything that's increasing the social pressure and celebration, hopefully I'll use that word rather than like pillorying, like how come only 5% because everyone else is only given one. I said five, <laughs> get them, burn them down. Like <laughs> let's, um, you know, let's, let's promote the calling culture to billionaires. Come on over. You want to give great five is great. Um, and leave it to the government to decide, you know, the, the actual rate of, you know, citizens that live in a free and fair country. For sure. I think billionaires giving away money either way is cause for celebration. Our last headline is about union workers at Festus Goodwill. Um, they rejected the latest proposal from the nonprofit. This union in Festus, Missouri, I believe, has kind of been in the talks with Goodwill um, for the last year and a half. Um, but so far, they uh, rejected the latest proposal, um, and they're now striking. So interesting news coming out of Festus, Missouri. Yeah, and I think you hear the union news around, of, co of course, Amazon and, and that big vote that went uh, against the against the union. But this is at Goodwill, and it, you know, Goodwill is a major employer, and it's kind of interesting to see, even if you are in the social impact uh, business. Um, you know, employees trying to organize and, and work on that. So that's that's a tough one. Um, but the Goodwill contract was was rejected. So we'll see. All right, Nick, do you want to talk through our longer stories? We kind of switched it up this week uh, at a glance summaries. Sure, George, I can take a stab at our our deep dives and our at a glance. Um, so this first story is about the GOP fundraising platform Win Red. So throughout the 2020 election cycle, which we all know was intense, high rhetoric, um, saw the largest grassroots and corporate donations and money flowing of any election ever. Um, but this story from the New York Times highlighted how the GOP's Win Red donation platform was using landing pages that were criticized as being increasingly deceptive. Um, the landing pages used a technique called kind of opt out or an automatic opt in, in which it, the onus is on the users making a donation on fundraising pages to opt out of a recurring donation. Now, this isn't limited. This practice is not limited to just GOP fundraising to make that clear, but the problem arose when apparently their tactic was to just increase, increasingly make the ability for users to opt out of this harder and harder to do as the campaign's finances got worse and worse. And this escalated in a surge of fraud, cam, uh, fraud complaints going to banks from the GOP's own fundraising base. And as it turns out, the Trump campaign had to reimburse almost 10% of its grassroots revenue, totaling over $122 million in 
refunds. Now, I'm not saying that the Democrats are saint, saints here either. You know, political uh, fundraising and, and donations and money is uh, it's aggressive on, on all sides. But this here kind of, in, in my opinion, crosses the line into potentially really genuinely deceptive. And to me, I think the takeaway is that, listen, don't dupe your own donors. This was an exchange of kind of long-term solid solidarity and platform and community building into, you know what, we're just going to take advantage of our donors because we need the cash ASAP. And, you know, a surge in fraud campaign complaints from your own target donor audience, that can't be good for the long term. Yeah. And there are also the sort of reports of the monthly being switched to weekly at certain points for changing it up. The nuance uh, and takeaway, like, oh, why are we talking about this in nonprofit sectors? You know, they're donors. Yes, they're going to political campaigns, but they're going through forms. And so when you are sitting there as a leader or as a fundraising professional and you're trying to decide, oh, should we get a couple extra clicks here? Should we pre-check this box? Oh, should we just like not alert donors that this thing is happening and, you know, just kind of see what happens? Like that is making a near-term narrow type of decision at the expense of long-term relationships. And if you spend down on that goodwill of your donors over time, even more, the value uh, of those donors uh, is going to drop off a cliff. So your lifetime customer value is going to drop. And that reputation is is basically going to be burned down uh, if you are pre-checking that. And the banks, by the way, if donors can't find an easy way to like cancel their monthly reoccurring giving and things like that, what's happening is those banks are going to step up and be like, there's a fraudulent organization here and we're going to come for that money. So not only did you like not get the money in the short term, you've created this massive liability engine that's going to catch you because banks tend to notice when a bunch of credit card holders are like, I didn't pay for that. That person is stealing our money. Um, and people can submit those uh, orders. And it's getting easier and easier with this interface, uh, uh, with, with digital interfaces for bank and credit card management tools. It'll be interesting to see if this outcry changes the landscape going into the midterms or, or it doesn't. We'll keep an eye on this one for sure. But at the end of the day, you know, nonprofits use similar tactics, similar forms. So, so it should be aware of kind of the conversation and events happening in this space. I'll move on to our next deep dive story. And this one is about alleged, allegedly multiple nonprofit CEOs um, are being accused of fraud. And we had three kind of high profile stories from across the nation. Um, one employee at a nonprofit was charged with stealing 4.7 million, a CEO at, a, at a, a religious oriented nonprofit was arrested in an FBI fraud case. And then a 60 year old woman was accused of stealing 4.72 million from a West Virginia nonprofit, allegedly. I think the thread here is just for nonprofits to be cautious, understand that these stories of potential fraud are making news and understand that they need to work to instill trust within their community. And they can do that through communication and transparency. Um, 
But yeah, just something to keep an eye on, a kind of story, a thread we've been following about accusations of fraud at nonprofits, especially as nonprofits are increasingly at the center of the news cycle in their response to COVID-19 and the pandemic. So just something to keep an eye on. We put these all together because it's kind of like, when do you cover? When do you want to say like, is it really news when like, you know, some sort of percentage of employees conduct fraud? Because like there's tons and tons of fraud cases in the for-profit sector and anywhere you look, there is uh, there are misdeeds. These all came in such a tight cluster. It was almost weird. Like it was like almost just in the last week, all these pop up together. And that builds a bit more of a negative cloud, unfortunately, uh, of trust and questioning of our nonprofits, the best delivery of social uh, social social vehicles, right, to, to help because of, oh, look at all the fraud that's going on. Like this is where that like gets jumbled all together when you see a bunch of these headlines together. So the, the other piece and takeaway is maybe consider in your own communications and narrative, how you bump up the credibility messaging, the trust elements, the messages from stakeholders, the examples of people in the field doing the work, um, not addressing it, but acknowledging the fact that maybe uh, when we see batches of these um, issues kind of come up in, in the general news, uh, it might be time to sort of like do a do a lap around um, celebrate, celebrating the impact, trust, and transparency that this sector is known for. All right, should we move on to the feel-good story? Sure, we can move on to feel-good stories. This one I wanted to highlight from Los Angeles is about an organization or a project called the David Lebkowski Project. And it uses the art of a Holocaust survivor to tell the story of the Holocaust. And the reason that I wanted to promote this story in particular is because understanding and Holocaust education in the United States, but also around the world, is astonishingly low. It is shocking how many people um, either do not believe that the Holocaust happened or have very little context or knowledge about what did happen, even if they believe that it did. And it's up to nonprofits to keep these narratives alive and to tell the stories of these survivors. And, you know, it's that historical remembrance that gives us institutions as strong as, you know, the United Nations and kind of a, a global community that seeks to, to end genocide and crimes against humanity. But if the underlying understanding, historical understanding fades, the strength of those institutions dissipates and we'll see it happen again and again. So I just wanted to highlight this because I think this nonprofit is doing a tremendous service, telling the stories that need to be told and um, just kind of a great example of an art nonprofit that the benefits of its work will impact generations to come. Also important because the average age of Holocaust survivors, according to Wikipedia in a summary of about, you know, I think 55 organizations that track this is about 84. So, Frankly, the first-hand life experience shared with this generation and those to come is uh, there's a clock on it. And so, yeah, you're right. This is a, this is a great project for sure. Um, 
I also want to circle back to last week's uh, last week's feel good story, which was about uh, George's favorite topic, NFTs, non fungible tokens, for fundraising, and that the SNL in particular uh, bit of digital art that was from their uh, their skit actually when we reported it was like at thirty thousand dollars that was going to go to stop AAIP. I hate. And it ends up going for three hundred thousand plus dollars, so not insignificant. And so I guess this is the joke on SNL or on us, but it's good money to a great organization. That's awesome. You can find show notes, links, and more at hol.com/podcast. And this has been Nonprofit Newsfeed, the free weekly summary of nonprofit news. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Carisha. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 